The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Then the Pharisees went and plotted to entrap Jesus in what he said. So they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth, and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why are you putting me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. Then he said to them, Whose head is this and whose title? They answered, The emperor's. Then he said to them, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard this, they were amazed, and they left him and went away. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. You may be seated. There's lots of discussion these days about the proper role of religion in society and public life. Many think it has no role, <clears throat> that it's a private matter for the in individual. But it's come up again with the growth of Christian nationalism among so-called evangelical congregations. That belief structure allows no tension between being a Christian and being a citizen of this nation. Christians have always had to define their relationship to government, had to, to define what role religious beliefs play in being a citizen and a member of human society. In today's gospel, Jesus was asked to resolve that question of these conflicting loyalties to one side or the other, the emperor or God. This was one of three trick questions that Jesus was asked in an attempt to, to trap him. This one about paying taxes was designed to make him sound like a Roman sympathizer so he would be rejected by the people or to make him sound like a dangerous revolutionary whom the Romans would then dispose of. Jesus avoids the trap by answering the question with a question. Whose likeness and inscription is this? And then in the second part of the reply, he comments on something his opponents had not had in mind, which is that we all stand under the claim of God. Juxtaposing the emperor and God relativizes the scope of the emperor's power. There is an implicit warning here not to give the emperor more than what belongs to him because ultimately everything belongs to God. The statement is ambiguous, though, without the context of the rest of Scripture. The Romans thought this was a supportive statement because they would attach their own definition to belonging to the emperor. But looking at the first lesson, we know that Jesus had something else in mind, that everything is God's, and God chooses to give the emperor a role in God's realm, just as God could choose a non-believer, Cyrus. 
In today's first lesson, Isaiah describes Cyrus as the Messiah for that time. Cyrus would save the people from exile in Babylon. God could use Cyrus for God's purposes, but God had not grasped the right hand of every ruler, only Cyrus and only for that time. Cyrus was a pagan who did not acknowledge the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but God could use Cyrus anyway. God, who is over history, can use bad guys as easily as good guys to do God's will. This was a scandalous idea, but God can work redemption through whomever God chooses. And it was out of that context that Jesus spoke. The emperor could be an instrument of God. Government was ordained by God insofar as it performed its proper role of providing justice and order in a society in which people would have the opportunity to be all that God intended them to become. But government is always under God. Government becomes idolatrous, encroaches on what is God's when it begins to demand ultimate loyalties, to assume that it's more important than what we believe about God. When it tries to become God, as Rome and the emperor did, or it demands that we subordinate our faith in God to our responsibilities as a citizen. This, by the way, is the reason that church flags, national flags in churches are a problem. The issue in today's gospel is one of conflicting claims and loyalties. We all have them. Career opportunities and parenting may pull in opposite directions. Teenagers waver between loyalty to family or church and the pressure of friends. Worry about job security can make one silent in the face of dishonesty in business. Political pressure and the need to fund uh, education or something else can lead government officials to support gambling even though they recognize that the, the cost that addiction to gambling extracts from individuals, families, and society. Other addictions, such as alcohol and tobacco and food, threaten our lives, but they pull us toward them anyway. Jesus does not make the claim of government versus God simple for us. We can't make hard and fast rules in advance. What belongs to the emperor is determined ever anew. Laws are not to be identified with the will of God, but neither do they need to be opposed on principle. We cannot evade difficult decisions by denying government's legitimacy. We cannot expect, as the Pharisees did, someone else to decide for us. We cannot recognize the claim of God and then deny the claim of the emperor. We cannot choose, just choose the one that's comfortable for us. Every claim on us is a call to ask how God's will in Christ should work its way out in a specific situation. I think about it every time I fill out my tax return. Well, actually, now that I'm a contractor, I think about it every time I pay my taxes quarterly. I'm very aware 
that I'm giving to the government more than 20% of my income, but to God's work only about 10%. And now I am not complaining about taxes. I actually believe that considering the needs and the affluence around us, they should be a lot higher for most of us, like they are in other nations that have high standards of living. We live in an increasingly urbanized society and which produces more and more conveniences for everyone. One of the prices of that improvement in the standard of living is taxes. There's no way for it to be otherwise. The more developed and humane a nation is, the higher the taxes. In fact, you can kind of equate the two things. If you've got low taxes, it's probably not very humane and equal. But I wonder, am I subtly placing my trust where it doesn't belong? Should I be giving a lot more to Christ's work in our world? Is 10% really enough? Or in this world, with its great inequities, should, be, should it be a lot more? I don't have easy answers to these questions. But Jesus' clever reply to the Pharisees to give to the emperor the things that are the emperor's and to God the things that are God's makes me wonder. And probably that's the point, is to make us wonder and to ask questions and to never be quite satisfied that we have the right answer. We cannot say that our Christian faith has nothing to do with our involvement in government and public life as some politicians have tried to do. But neither do we have, or should we have, a Christian government. Instead, believers of various sorts need to act upon their beliefs in the public realm and allow and expect everyone else to do the same. We're not called to separate religion and government completely, nor to put government in the place of God, but to see all of life under God's rule and judgment and government having a place in God's rule. Every claim on us is a call to ask how God's will in Christ should work its way out in a specific situation. What we believe about the God who raised Jesus is to be acted upon in the public realm with other people. It motivates us to take politics seriously, to pay taxes willingly, <coughs> and to demand justice and equity in the affairs of government. And in so doing, we will not only give to government rightful but limited allegiance, but we will also return thanks to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who created and sustains us, and to whom we belong through baptism. Amen.